All right. So you need to make sure you're going to listen to everything I say before you get mad at me today. And if you're mad at me after the service is over, I'm going to go out the back door. So my question and title of my message this morning is simply this. Whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? We could say it in the athletic event, sports world. Whose side are you on? Who's your favorite team? Who are you rooting for? Vikings play Detroit today, I believe, right? Okay, those of you who said, yep, you knew you have an idol. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. They're going to compete. Whose side are you on? It's hard to, to not hear those words this time of the year, this season of the year, and this time on the calendar, knowing there's an election coming up this week. If you don't know there's an election, you've been dead for a long, long time. We should have buried you. Whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? I hear people say, I'm not on either side. I am sitting this one out. Then I hear some people say, I was born and raised of this, and I'm going to vote for that come heck or high water. And then I got the other one over here saying, I can't believe those idiots, those morons, those, they're from hell. I'm going to vote for this because I've been raised this. The old cradle to grave thing. Whose side are you on? It's been tempting to just say, I don't care anymore. Both sides look horrible. If there was a way for this event for both teams to lose, I'd be happiest. But we need to reevaluate all of this in light of what the Word of God says. Okay? And that's my point today. We sometimes, as Christians, you know, the secular world says separation, church, and state, and they just broadly define that over, and it gets broader and broader. Pretty soon we think we're supposed to not care or not be involved. That is a lie. We need to be right. Just let me read a couple parts of a scripture, and then I'll read the scripture. Government is God's idea. God's idea. In fact, God says there is no authority slash government except from God. And those which do exist are established by God. And he even tells us a little further on in this section of Scripture, every person is to be in subjection or submitted to those governing authorities. You can say, oh my, or ouch, or amen, if you'd like. Every time I read those verses, boy, does it cause my mind to wonder and say, God, I'm not sure you're paying attention to what's going on. But I need to remind you and I need to remind myself that God is in charge, church. God is in charge. Rumor has it he has not had a sleepless night about our election. He is not the least bit surprised at what's taking place. He is, believe this or not, he is at work in the political process that's taking place. He is at work in it. And this might really surprise you with all the polls and all the pundits and all the predictions. There's only one person on in the universe that knows who our next president is going to be, and that is God. He already knows. He is not surprised. He's not shaking and quaking in fear. He's totally confident in what he's doing 
Not sure he's all that confident in us, but he's confident in what he's doing. The question I hear, and, and I'm sure you've been asked, would be something, who, am I, who should I vote for? Usually they start with, who are you going to vote for? Who, sh- who should I vote for? I'm going to just submit to you that that's the wrong question. I am not going to tell you who, should, who you should vote for. And quite frankly, don't listen to anybody else tell you who you should vote for. The question should be this, how should I vote? And I don't mean should you do it early, do it late, do it in a voting booth. How, process, how should I vote? That's the question Christians should be asking. And we need to be involved in the process because government is divinely instituted by God. It's his idea. It's his idea. So I want to read uh, uh, about five verses here in Romans chapter 13. What I just shared came from here. It says this, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against these authorities is rebelling against God, what he has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do what's right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, and not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. As Christians, we have this book. It's more than a book. It's the Word of God. God has given it to us to guide our lives. If somebody comes to me and they're having issues in their personal life, what we need to do is identify the issue and go to the Word of God for answer. Amen? If a couple comes to me with marital problems, family issues, we need to go, find out what the problem is, talk about the issue, and go to the Word of God for the answer. If our church government, we got all kinds of chaos and there's craziness going on, what we need to do is decide and find out what the issue is and go to the Word of God. Amen? When we get involved in civil government... When there is an election, what we need to do first is look at what the issues are and go to the Word of God. How many of you have done that preparing for your vote? You don't have to raise your hand. Because those next to you that didn't will be tempted to lie. We don't do that, do we? Or at least most of us don't do that. We need to be reminded that it's God's given us the Word to guide us in all things of life. And we need to inform by the Bible. Now, when I say this, and I'm going to review this, government is a divine institution. All are to submit. I, you know what I did this morning? I looked up what that word all was in the Greek, hoping I could come up with an escape clause. All of us are to submit to the authority that God has put over us. All I discovered means everyone, all things, all this, all that, everything. There was no escape clause. 
And all authority is established or allowed by God. And I've shared this before because it just breaks my, my mind. It just breaks down when I think of people like Adolf Hitler or Stalin or Idi Amin or some of these horrible, horrible, horrible people that were put in positions of authority. And then I have to be reminded, God's divine plan is to have an authority. And we need to be reminded when there is no leadership, it's total chaos. And it's worse than bad leadership. So God has instituted government. When we realize this, it should make it not only possible and reasonable, but it should make it mandatory that when we discuss politics and government, we discuss the word of God and God. It should just be normal. I know they kind of separate, don't give me that Jesus stuff, don't give me that Bible stuff, this is government, separate, there's church and state. That's where our culture and society has deteriorated to. Not God's plan. Not his plan whatsoever. Now when I say all that, we need to realize and understand that not everybody filling positions of authority are intentionally serving God or doing things that would bring glory and honor to him. Anybody noticed that lately? That doesn't mean they're not put there and allowed to be there by God. If you want to go through the Old Testament in particular and look at throughout history the people that God used to bring about his purposes and his will, you're going to discover a lot of them were pretty evil, pretty terrible, and some were amazingly godly. And it didn't matter who they were. didn't matter whether they were a woman. didn't matter whether they were a man. or didn't even matter if they were a young kid. God used them to bring about his purposes. God established at least three or four kinds of government, depending how you look at it. Put that slide up there. Thank you. I believe family could maybe be divided into two areas. Because I believe, in a sense, we are all to self-govern. There is a sense that we are to self-govern. I am to use the word of God as a guide for me to live my life in a personal way, personal basis. And then God has established a divine order in the home. It says that Christ himself is the head of man. Man is the head of the wife. And the, and the family structure is established. And that's a whole message. Don't, ladies, don't get upset with me. But there's a divine order. God established it in the home. And he gives us pretty clear instructions, we believe, in the Bible, how to establish a church government. And we do the best we can with the understanding we have by the Holy Spirit and prayer to have a church government that resembles what we believe he shows us in the book of Acts when the church's foundation was being laid. And he also has given us our civil government. And all of it is under the umbrella of a sovereign God. So when we look at this, we could realize in a hurry, or should, civil government, civil government was established by God with this in, this in mind. This was kind of the purpose, to establish and protect freedom. We sang about freedom this morning a lot. What does freedom mean for a Christian? When we are free in Christ, that means we are free to worship God and we are free to make right choices. 
right choices that align with his word. The Bible tells us until we we are born again, we are slaves to sin. We should have no expectation of an unbeliever. They are bound and they are enslaved to sin. If they make good choices, it's just lucky. There are good people who make some good choices. But God's not their motive. But for us, it should be our motive to make choices that glorify God. That's the freedom that we have in Christ. We are free to do the right thing, to make the right choice. And what happens has happened, I believe, historically, and this isn't the first time in the, in the world history, as, as the church has moved further away from this book being its guide, the culture and the government has gotten worse. God intended for his church, when I say his church, I'm not talking about a religious institution. That's been abused enough throughout history. What I'm talking about, his church, you and me, he designed us to be a moral influence on civil government. And the civil government would then protect and establish and encourage the biblical type of principles, even if they didn't know what they were. We would be the ones with influence as Christians, followers of Christ. But as the church has actually slipped away from the word of God, allowed compromise to come in under a whole bunch of different banners, the church has lost its place of influence for God's glory. Whose side are we on? When leaders at the personal level me, as leader of my own life, at the family level, at the church level, or the civil government level, as leaders, governor, those in authority, begin to govern more and more outside of biblical boundaries, there will always be consequences. Always. Most of the issues in my life that I wish would just vanish are because of choices that I made. And God, in his sovereignty, has chosen to give me free will and the ability to make a choice. But God does not let go of all of his sovereignty because I cannot determine all the consequences. He will. And so when we talk about the sovereignty of God, and that, again, can be a whole long topic with lots of varying opinions, but I'm just going to show you a few scriptures and go on. In Psalms 103, verse 19, The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his sovereignty or his royal power rules over all. Over all. Daniel 4.17. This sentence is by the decree of the angelic watchers and the decision is a command of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whom he wishes and sets over it the lowliest of men. God's in control. Daniel 4.26, at the end of the verse, it says that it is heaven that rules. God's in charge. God is in charge. And in his sovereignty, he has given us or allowed us men to serve as his representatives, men in the generic, men and women, to serve as his representatives in leadership positions, positions of authority. And he has done that for good or for bad. He doesn't make anybody 
including a leader, he doesn't make anybody obey. You notice that? He doesn't make us obey. He gives us revelation. He's given us his word. He's given the Holy Spirit to dwell in us, to teach us, to be our guide. But we can choose to ignore all that and do whatever we want. And you say, I thought God was in charge. Sounds like Mike's in charge. I can do whatever I want in his sovereignty, but guess what? The consequences are going to be determined by him. He sets certain boundaries, and beyond those boundaries, his sovereignty will take over. God does not force obedience to his rules. We need to remember, when we look at these types of things in government authority, that God only makes a promise to the nation's who obey in terms of blessing. I don't think I put it on the overhead, but Psalms 33, 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he chose for his inheritance. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, it's because he chose you as part of his inheritance. And God will bless the nation whose God is the Lord. And is, as a nation, moves further and further and further away from God. His will, his purposes, his word, the truth, the blessings begin to diminish. It's just the way it is. I want to share another scripture. I get a sense of peace. I get a sense of relief, a sense of hope when I'm reminded of all the things I've just shared. That God's in charge. Thank God that you're in charge. It looks like it's a mess. It is a mess. But you're in charge. I can go to bed at night and remind myself, God, you are in charge. And I always say, but it would really be nice if. But he's in charge. While it brings us a sense of peace to know and trust that God's in control, I want to come back to the question. How should I vote? And I believe that is the correct question, not who should you vote for. How should I vote? Whose side is God on? Ever wondered that question? I went online and I looked at the, and I've watched some ads and I've read some articles by pastors. Mostly I read a lot of them by pastors. When I got through reading this, they supported their position with scriptures and principles of the Word of God, and they said, whatever you do, you got to vote for Hillary Clinton because this guy, Donald Trump, is a boorish moron. I think he's got horns under that hair. Then I go to other ones over here, and I read them, and they come up with principles and scriptures, and they say, she is the epitome of evil. And I'm going, amen, amen. What? Whose side are you on, God? Well, we're not the first people, if you've ever asked that question, to ask that question. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Joshua, chapter 5, verse 13. I'm going to read the scripture first, and I'll give you a little more context. Now, it came about when Joshua was by Jericho, the city where the walls came a-tumbling down, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No. Or I would put in there, Neither. Wrong. 
Wrong question. Neither. Rather, I indeed come now as the captain of the host of the Lord. He was the captain of the host. Guess who the captain of the host is? It's the Lord. I come as the captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? Whose side are you on? Joshua had replaced Moses after Moses died. God has esteemed him in the eyes of the people. They came to the Jordan River, and God spoke to to Joshua, and they stopped the Jordan River from flowing, and they walked across. Millions of them walked across on dry ground. When they crossed, they put some stones in the middle to remember and remind them what God did. And then they came to the other side, and they're ready to enter into the promised land. And the promise from God was what? Everywhere your foot shall tread, I have already given it to you. And there's Jericho, this walled city. And before God lets them go to war, they have to do a circumcision thing. Because all of the Jewish men that had been circumcised back in Egypt had died in the desert. And God's people were not circumcised as a symbol of being God's people. So he made them circumcise, all of the men. I cringe when I think of them sharpening a stone to do this surgery. And then they had to wait a little while until everything healed up. And then in chapter 4, which is right before chapter 5, pretty smart, aren't I? (laughs) Joshua's standing there, and and it says this. He's got 40,000 men equipped for war. He's ready to go and take Jericho with his 40,000 men equipped for war. And guess what I think Joshua probably figured? God was on his side. Just like you Democrats think your God is on your side, and just like you Republicans think God is on your side, and he says, the heck with both of you. I am not on either one of your sides. I'm on my side. Joshua, you're leading my chosen people into the promised land, but it's my idea, and it's going to happen my way. I'm not on either side. I'm on God's side. Now whose side are you on? I was born of this. I was born of that. God doesn't really care what you think you were born as. You were born because he knew you before he even formed you in your mother's womb to be chosen and become his child, his ambassador, and guess whose side you're supposed to be on? Good, God's side. Are you a Republican or are you a Democrat or are you an independent? Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Good luck with that. Or are you God's? Do you serve the king of kings? Are you truly a citizen of this earth or are you a citizen of heaven? Where do your allegiances lie? When you go to vote on Tuesday, is it Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday, right? When you go to vote on Tuesday, are you going in there as a Democrat, Republican, Independent, or a kid kid of the kingdom of God to vote with God's leading and guiding as best you can? How are you going to vote? I'm going to use an illustration. I'm still stealing this from, uh, many of you are probably familiar with Pastor, Pastor Tony Evans. Yes? All right, like a lot of his stuff. He uses a great picture. 
And I want you to look at this. It came from a, a sermon of his. I believe it was called God and Government. I think that was the title if you want to read the whole thing. But he, he, he used this metaphor of a football game. It could be a volleyball match. It could have been a basketball game. could have been any competition. Today, if you go home and decide to watch the game, uh, what teams are going to take the field? Vikings? Who else? Lions? Only two teams? You're being set up. There's three teams. Vikings are going to take the field. Detroit's going to take the field. And the officiating team is going to take the field. There's three teams. And the football field's got boundaries. And with inside those boundaries, these two teams, the Vikings and the Detroit Lions, they're going to try to beat the crap out of each other. They're going to try to go to war, as they call it. And their goal is to win. And inside those boundaries, they can come up with all the offensive and defensive schemes they can think of. They can call any play and every play they want to play. But guess what? They are not the ultimate authority on that field. The officials are the ultimate authority on that field. And their authority comes from a higher source. They are there to represent the National Football League's home office. That's where their authority comes from. And as long as they do this in a way that represents the higher authority, they're doing their job, what they're supposed to do. Now, if one of the officials or more of the officials decides they got a more favorite team on the field and they're a bigger fan than they are a referee, it could cause some problems. Now, just because you think the refs stink doesn't mean that they're terrible referees in breaking the rules that they favor the other team. Could, but not necessarily. And if these officials would do that, it would not take very long that their authority is being abused and they would be removed from having that influence and authority on the game. Sort of tracking with me yet? Well, Christians, we are a lot like those officials. That's what we're supposed to be like in our culture, in our government. There are teams. You can have as many teams as you want. But there is an ultimate authority who establishes all other authorities. And that's God. And he says, my church is supposed to be my representation here on earth. You and I are supposed to be ambassadors of Christ. We are the ones that should be doing all that we can with love. Showing, explaining, teaching people what the Word of God says about everything. And at this season, especially about government. If we don't, if we we don't, our influence wanes. And if we don't, and we decide to follow one of the other leaders that are out there, We are going to be held guilty before God for not only what we do, but what we also encourage and allow to happen. Does that sound biblical? I knew it would get really quiet. We are. 
Matter of fact, the scripture says not only did they allow it, they actually encouraged it to be taking place. And they will be held accountable for that. What has happened to much of the church of Jesus Christ today? We've lost our ability and our authority to be an influence on those around us. We've given it up because we no longer represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in our thinking, our believing, our voting. We have divided and we have aligned ourselves with opponents. I am as sure as I'm standing here knowing there are people in here that are Democrats. There are people in here that are Republicans. Some of you might be independents. But I'm hoping that we are all members of the kingdom of God. Instead of being divided because of these other things, we should be united for God and his principles, his word, and for truth. Rather than being that third team on the field with power from and an allegiance with God, the King of Kings, we've aligned our allegiance with someone else or something else. So many of us as believers, and I have been guilty of this, full disclosure, I have been guilty of this, but we have aligned ourselves for political expedience. We have aligned ourselves one way or the other because of personalities that are being elected or running for office. We have aligned ourselves for personal agendas. I'm going to vote for that person because if I vote for that person, I'm going to get all this over here. Personal agenda. We've aligned ourselves for all kinds of reasons and we've allowed them to override the kingdom of God. We've allowed those things to overline God's principles and purposes. When Joshua stood there and asked God, who said, Lord, whose side are you on? I think, I think he thought God would say, I'm on your side. These are my chosen people. I handpicked you to be the leader. I just stopped the river from flooding. I just allowed you to walk through, and I'm about to give you a city. Of course I'm on, you're on my side, right, God? Well, no, God said, it's, I'm on my side. And sometimes that worked out for Joshua quite well, like at Jericho. But if you read a little further, he decided to do it his own way at the Battle of Ai. Instead of sending his 40,000 troops, sent a couple spies up there, and they came back and said, small city, no big deal, no problem. Just send two, 3,000 of us. We'll go up there and kick rear ends and be right back. Good idea. Go. They got beaten. Men got killed. And it tells us that the enemy chased them most of the way home. And then Joshua goes before the Lord, and you know what? He, God, what happened? can't believe you did this all the enemy now knows we took we turned tail and ran lord how are you going to defend your name without me that's joshua talking god doesn't take a side he's on his own side he is his own side and we need to do all that we can to align ourselves on his side 
So practically, what does that mean? How should I vote? I would encourage you to remember this as you vote. That you vote as if you're standing before God and he knows exactly what you're voting and endorsing because he is and he does. You need to look past the candidates and personalities of these candidates. You need to ignore most of their words because it just becomes clutter and chatter. They'll say most anything to get elected. Pretty much all of them, it seems. So you need to look beyond what they're saying. And I I would suggest one of the best places you can look is what does the platform say in writing that they represent and are supposedly going to fight for to win the game? And if you do that, there's a lot of things. You know what? We've got a voting guide out there. I want you to, I would encourage you to pick it up and read it. But quite frankly, I, I, I've got one here somewhere. It's got a nice picture of Hillary, and it's got a nice picture, picture of Donald. Seriously. Usually they put ugly pictures of one or the other, don't they? And as I go down that list of things, I look at some of them, and I go, I'm not going to go to war over that issue. And there's another one, I'm not going to go to war over that issue. Because some of those issues are really just different ideas about different ways to solve problems. But the problem is they will not work together to solve any problem. But when I look at that, there are some things that are so contrary to the Word of God in my mind. I have people say, boy, I don't know who to vote for. This is the toughest choice I've ever had to make. And I go, are you kidding me? This is easy, easy choice if I don't look at the candidates. I look at the candidates, well, you know. But if I don't look at the candidates and I come as open-minded as I can and say, Lord, you show me according to your word. And I believe you don't have to look very hard to see some things that you can't overlook. Do they support the murder and slaughter of unborn children? Will they go to war and fight for the right of someone for selfish reasons to take a baby and kill it. Oh, Mike, it's not a baby. It's just a fetus or something like that. I don't know. The Bible says before he, I was even formed in my mother's womb, he knew me. When Mary went to Elizabeth, said, the child, the baby in my womb just jumped. Whoops, it was not the fetus. It wasn't this. It wasn't that. We could go on. I give you scriptures galore. It's very clear. The sanctity of life. All life is a gift from God. I don't have to look very far for me to know how I should vote. Do they protect the sanctity of family and marriage? The Bible's clear. The culture's not. The church is confused. We've gotten away from the book, the Word of God. Which party will at least acknowledge, and their actions sometimes don't show it, that we are, the United States of America was a nation founded on Judeo-Christian principles. And they will do what they can to protect us, that we remain and have the rights of a Judeo-Christian. And we can go down the list. And my point is simply this. I don't know who you should vote for. I, I know who I'm going to vote for. But I want to encourage you to ask yourself, how should I vote? And then look at it and determine which box are you going to check. The church's influence on our culture has waned dramatically because we've compromised 
the word of God. And God's going to hold the church accountable for that, not the world. And he's going to hold me accountable for what I do. I have never given a sermon anywhere close to being this political in my 20 years of being a pastor. And I know that there's some of you out there who would like to wring my neck and just get in line. (laughs) But seriously, church, this is bigger than an election. This goes beyond just this time around. We're talking about, are we, are we citizens of the kingdom of God? And will we stand for the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Or are we going to give away our allegiance to something or someone else? And that's between you and the Lord. Let's close in prayer. Father, we do thank you for the government that you have given us. God, we pray for our leaders. God, we pray for President Obama, Vice President Biden. We pray for his cabinet. We pray for the judicial system, the legislative system. God, we pray for these men and women, God, that you would protect them, watch over them during these difficult days in this nation. God, we pray for uh, Hillary Clinton. We pray for Donald Trump and their running mates. And there's so many others, potential leaders running for election. God, we pray for all of them, God, that your hand would be upon them. God, we pray that... Biblical principles would be a priority in each one of their, of their lives. God, we pray that they would be leaders who would, would be sensitive to, to your word, the principles of your word. God, we, we acknowledge, God, we're not electing a pastor. We're electing a president. God, we pray in your mercy, in your mercy, by your grace, you will give us godly leaders. God, we pray that you would move across this land with a spirit of repentance, convicting us of the sins of this nation, that we would repent and turn from that wickedness. God, we pray that in these closing days, there would be a sense of peace or calm in this nation where tempers and and fires and actions are just burning hot. We pray for peace to come. Lord, we pray for this election to go without major controversies. God, there is a world that's watching. And we have proclaimed for over 200 years to be one nation under God. Lord, I pray that they would see a nation under God again. Lord, and I pray for each one of us here, whether though our opinions or our politics may be very different, I pray, God, that we would always be reminded and remember that we are one body under the banner of Christ, that we are united by the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells in each one of us, and that there would be unity amongst all the diversity. Lord, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.